Man, Bam Adebayo doesn't like Tyler Hero's post-game fit. The Warriors abused the Mavs in game one, and DeAndre Ayton might be on his way out. I'm Rosa Panta. This is Clinic, all-NBA podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good, feeling great. How are you guys? Man, I'm feeling pretty good. Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm doing well, my man. Big shout out to our boy, John, officially a newlywed. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Shout out to John and Jess. It was a very beautiful wedding. I'm still recovering. It was a lot of fun. But speaking of fun, the Boston Celtics had fun tonight in game two, 127 to 102. This series is now tied up 1-1. And I wanted to ask you guys, after that game one, did you think the Boston Celtics were going to be able to respond this way? Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Well, they're missing two of of their starters. First and foremost, Horford and Marcus Smart. And I don't want people to downplay Marcus Smart's contribution on the court. For any championship contention team, you're going to need an all-defensive player. That has been proven throughout the years for those who won rings. And Marcus Smart, he went off tonight. And he played 40 minutes. Within those 40 minutes, he had 24 points, 9 rebounds, and 12 assists. Playing like a point god. Shots fired. (laughs) Ironically. Yeah. (laughs) What about you, Sammy? Yeah, what did you think, Sammy? I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think you can't under understate the importance of certain players. And smart for what he is, in my opinion, I know he just won Defensive Player of the Year, is an elite role player. Like, truly an elite role player. I say it in a very complimentary way, similar to Draymond. I think Draymond, I think of Draymond in the same fashion. Mm-hmm. He's also, to me, the emotional leader of that team. And like you said, I mean, he almost triple-double tonight. And just, it feels like he kind of puts them together in a way that... As good as clearly Tatum's the leader of this team, but there's certain players that just bring out the best in others. And I think Smart in the playoffs, his energy, his intensity can do that. And like you said, they're just missing two guys. And we've seen this team play so well the last few months. I didn't think one blowout spelled the end of anything with them. So I did expect a great bounce back from them tonight. Maybe not to this extreme, but props to them, man. 25 points on the number one seed's home court. That's that's domination. And this game was not close by the time we got to half. You know, it was said in the broadcast like over and over the fact that, you know, the Boston, they were looking for love in like all the wrong places with Kyrie Irving and with, um, man, I'm forgetting his name now because I haven't seen him play basketball in a long time. Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. (laughs) (laughs) And all along, Marcus Smart was sitting there and he seems to be the perfect guy for this team. Also, Grant Williams, um, you know, after game one, after he was pretty much arguing with Ime Udoka on the bench, he comes back with a vengeance, scoring 19 points here. So, JJ, who's, who's to blame on the Miami Heat side for this loss tonight, you think? Ooh, uh, there's two people that come into mind. I'm just going to go out and say, first, we got to take a shot at Bam. You want that max contract money. Yeah. And then you're going to come out flat, just scoring six points. You can't do that. You're, and to be frank, like if you're the superstar going against, who is it? Robert Williams, who's a defensive freak out there but still man six points no excuse you gotta come up 
It's the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, it was Bam an all-star? I can't remember now. Oh no, he was um he was just on the Olympic team. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah he was just right? on the Olympic team. Yeah. Sammy, who are you blaming? I agree with you on Bam. Um this feels like a collective team failure, but just looking at some of the stats and what we saw on the court tonight, plus minus is not my end all be all by any means. Say it. Tyler Hero was a minus 33 tonight. Yes, sir. 24 minutes. No, yep. God. Every minute he was on the court, they were roughly a point and a half worse. Yep. That's that speaks volumes, man. And you just you look across the board, like Jay was saying, six points out of bio. PJ Tucker didn't have the, his best game. Like it felt like no one really performed all that well outside of Jimmy. And so you just you wonder did they relax after that blowout and the big thing for me is the same way that Boston got blown out in game one, that Miami got blown out in game two. I fully expect Miami to respond with a much better performance in game three. Don't know if that means they're going to win in Boston's home court. Yeah. But if there's another 20 point blowout in the next two games, I would be shocked. And I will eat my words if that happens. <laughs> I'm going to have you guys predict game three here. What do you think happens when this series goes to, uh, to Boston, JJ? I think... Boston's gonna blow them out again. Oh wait! I'm not a believer in Tyler Hero. There, there's a reason why he was coming off the bench. I know a lot of casual basketball fans they look at the point total, but basketball is a two-way sport. There's a reason, for example, Jamal Crawford came off the bench. Jordan Poole's coming off the bench. Yeah. And if you have Tyler Hero who breaks a three and then on the other side of the court he commits a foul and like what Sammy said you play only 24 minutes but yet there's a minus 33 for your plus minus <laughs> that's pretty that's nuts good that is not good I'm gonna agree with you that Boston wins but I think they win by less than six yeah I think I, game three is the first really good game of the series and what do you think yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I really think that this next series is going to be more competitive. I I expect Spolstra to get this team right. I, I'm sure he's very embarrassed by this loss. Um, and Spolstra, is, is, he's like probably the most experienced coach left in the playoffs right now, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, Spolstra and Kerr. Both. Okay, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I expect Spolstra to get this team right. RJ, I'm going to have you bring this up. Uh, Bam Adebayo, after game one. He, he was giggling a little bit on this post game. We're going to bring up this video here. And basically, I'm going to give you guys a dub or dud here. I want you guys to judge Tyler Hero's post game fit. And if you could see it, he is sleeveless here and bam out of bio cannot contain himself just laughing and walking in with a looks like a a fitted hat and some glasses double dud sammy <laughs> to me that fit is a, a massive massive dud but bam's reaction is is a dub all the way i love bam's reaction just props for that despite the six points this evening thank you <laughs> jj what'd you think I'm always an uh, advocate of people expressing themselves, especially through fashion, but 
never known Tyler Hero to be a fashionista. I wouldn't wear that, but whatever <laughs> boat your boat, my guy. I'm gonna say dud because I wouldn't wear it. I'm going with the haterade. I'm going with the dud too. It's like he tried to make it cool with the glasses and it just wasn't working for me. Anyway, we're gonna take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, with our next series here on the West Side, we have the Golden State Warriors and Dallas Mavericks. The Warriors just smacked down on the Dallas Mavericks here, 112 to 87. It really felt like the Warriors neutralized Luka Doncic here. JJ, I want to ask you, how did they neutralize Luka and if he could overcome this? I just got to give props to my guy. I know that at times it could be hard at him, but Andrew Wiggins played incredible defense on Luka and made it difficult. On top of that, Steve Kerr prepped as he usually does and gave different looks at Luka. He played zone, he played the box one. He had Draymond on him, Clay, and Wiggins. So Luka couldn't get comfortable, which the Warriors wanted. So Luka, he actually had more turnovers than focals. That could be part of the Warriors' defense, if you want to say. That could be that he's just tired from playing the Suns. But the Warriors did what they had to do and took care of game one at home. And I actually wanted to ask you two, during these playoffs, we've seen that game ones could be an overreaction. But we're from the old school era too, where Phil Jackson has always said, game ones is the most important game because it sets the tone. What are you guys' feelings about this Warriors win? So overreaction or... Do you feel that this is a precursor of what's going to happen? I've liked the Warriors in this series since it came out. I will stick to that by all means. Again, mighty my words, I don't anticipate a 25-point spread in every game. Maybe that's also me being hopeful as a neutral NBA fan for more competitive basketball. Right. But you know what this series said to me? And it's it's funny you mention it because I didn't feel this way about Boston-Miami. And I can't even put my finger on the why. It just feels like it showed the difference between an experienced, like, seasoned playoff team like the Warriors are and a team that's kind of getting their feet wet for the first time and a superstar that's never been this far in Mm -hmm. Luka on the other end. Because you just looked at, like you said, the schemes. And I know you mentioned defense. Offensively, I felt like what the Warriors did in the first half was completely expose the lack of interior defense that Dallas's current construction has. And they were just running through cuts. You could see Curry, Poole in particular, were getting in the lane whenever they wanted. And then all of a sudden, Kevon Looney turned into Jokic in parts of the second half <laughs> and was beating Thompson and Poole at will. <laughs> but they were just exposing everything. And so I think it did set the tone in that I, th- I think flags are going up in Dallas after that game. Again, when you're this far in, I, I don't think you're 
as bad as losing. Like you're not 25 points worse than Golden State, I guess is what I'm saying. But I feel very, very good about Golden State after this game. And I thought they were going to win the series before. I feel even better about it now. Yeah, I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. We also felt this way about the Dallas Mavericks against the Suns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were up 2-0, right? We we really counted them out. We really <clears throat> doubted them. I'm, I'm still sort of doubting them just because I know that there's one guy that you really need to try to neutralize, but I feel like he's smart enough to figure it out. I feel like Jason Kidd does some things to open things up. I just don't know, and Sammy, you already said it, what they do about that interior defense. Like, is this is is Jason Kidd gonna get desperate here and like trot out like Boban? Like, is that gonna happen? I really don't know what they do, but I wanted to kind of follow this up a little bit with there are basically four superstars left in these playoffs, right? We have Luca, Steph, Tatum, and Butler. Out of those four. Who do you think is the best player that's left in these playoffs? Oh my god. That is a great question. Damn. You got one in mind, Jay? I mean, everyone everyone is picking Luca, but I like two-way players. Uh Tatum, he's knocking on the door of becoming that MVP caliber player. And Jimmy Butler. I don't, he can be that. I don't want to sound in Homer, but Steph right now, he's still pulling that gravity. And until the opponents could prove the Warriors' history wrong, I think he is, well, I'm going to say Tatum. Stolen. I'll just go ahead and say Tatum right now. You're going Tatum because of, yeah, okay. of the two-way play. Two-way, two-way, two-way Tatum. I was actually hoping you were going to say Curry because I was going to say Tatum. Uh, Okay. I've I've been, man, I've been on the Tatum bandwagon here since roughly the playoffs started. I'm still there now. And I think it's exactly the reason that you said is that the offensive game has been there. I do feel like he's more assertive now. Mm -hmm. But defensively, I love how intense he plays now. That you can throw him pretty much at anybody that's under 6'10". And yeah. he'll basically be able to defend him on some level, which I don't want to jump to jump way ahead here. But as a neutral fan without a horse in the race, necessarily, man, I would love to see a Golden State Boston finals just because the matchups would be so awesome to watch in that perspective, to watch the chess that would go on between those coaches and those athletes. And I think that's part of the reason, because to me in the playoffs right now, as good as Luca has been, I want to see Tatum and Curry match up even if they don't necessarily defend each other, but just their teams as a whole, so well-coached, well-prepared, and much more well-rounded than Dallas, and that's my other issue with them as a whole. And Luka's great, like we said, and he's going to be the MVP favorite next year in the regular season, but just in these playoffs right now, I've got to go Tatum as well. You know, I asked this question because I thought that you guys were going to say Luka. (laughs) I was trying to lead you guys in that direction, and it's crazy. Because I, I think you guys might be right. It might be Tatum. But Luka does have um, does have a, a case here because I feel like this team 
didn't necessarily like no one was really predicting this team to go very far. No, the, the and Luca did a lot of that heavy lifting with a little help of Brunson, like here and there. But Luca literally has to do everything. It kind of reminds me of the Houston Rockets when James Harden was running yeah. that, where everything flowed through him. And there's a lot of shooters around him, and he just needs to create. And it's kind of crazy because I'm I'm glad that ahead. you brought that up because. I was going to have this analogy where back, I want to say, was it 2018, 2019? Sammy could correct me, but when Harden won the MVP over Kawhi, and because Harden's numbers were insane, but that was only one portion of the game. And you guys know me, I love defense, and I thought Kawhi actually deserved it. Maybe it was 2017, but. Are we talking about Kawhi in Toronto or San Antonio? I'm trying to recall that year now. I think it San Antonio. Yeah, I've, I've, it, was, it was eighteen. It, it 18, was right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I think it was Kawhi's last healthy year in San Antonio. Yeah, I, I thought he should have won, but we yeah, don't I, value defense. It's true. That much, it's know? probably like the hardest thing to measure. You know, when you're trying to talk about like the best player, um, and so on and so forth. But for game two. It's tomorrow, so this pod will be out by tomorrow. What do you guys think happens in game two between the Warriors and the Mavericks here? So we've noticed this interesting trend, and I was actually going to bring this up, and JJ kind of related to it a little bit earlier. Is it just me, or do you remember in the 90s, it felt like home court was so much harder to crack? And now everyone runs on each other's courts all the time. Is that just me, or do you guys feel that way as well? I feel that way. Okay. Definitely. I bring that up because I actually feel like this is going to be the one series in which home court might actually hold. And I, well, outside of Phoenix Dallas last round, I, I like the Warriors to win a much closer game tomorrow. JJ, what you think? Don't ask me. I don't like to bet on my own team. Excuse <laughs> me. Seriously, I, I think I'm gonna speak for JJ here. <laughs> I, I'm I'm expecting a, a Warriors win here. I think. If Andrew Wiggins starts to get cooked by Luka, we just have so many options to throw at him. And you saw the Warriors throw every sort of defense at him too. Like you saw a box in one, you saw a zone, you saw man to man. We we saw switching everything. We saw stay home. Like Luka just could not stay comfortable. And I think that sort of continues. Sammy, were you about to say something? It's just, well, it's interesting because remember when we all assumed that Phoenix was going to play Golden State, that Peyton injury felt so huge because defensively it felt like where the Warriors might have needed some help with smaller guards. Right. And it turns out that you have a million wings to throw at Luca of all different sizes, body types, and so on and so forth. And so this might have played a lot better for for the Warriors than the Mavericks did for the Suns, obviously in hindsight, because Bridges was there, but Crowder was too slow. And you didn't really have as many bodies as you thought that can match him. And that's how it feels like this played off. Of course, this might be a one game overreaction, but just mm-hmm. on the surface, that's how it felt to me after watching this. And and Luca, you know, I'm gonna add on to what you said, Sammy. <clears throat> Luca had Crowder from the last series who, you know, respect your Crowder, but he's not a player that's gonna score 20 on him. Luca's gonna have to work sure. both sides on the of the court. 
Bro. And interesting enough, the Warriors had Looney on Luca for size. So Luca couldn't get off his step back three. And Luke Looney's so slow that he couldn't get picked out. <laughs> he didn't even catch the pick. He already was already on his he was already on Luca. Yeah. And my homie <laughs> my homie jumps like this high too, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you can't even yeah. like slide like a magazine underneath exactly. my boy's feet. <laughs> but I'm gonna move us on to the next topic here. So DeAndre Ayton, we're going to talk about the Suns a little bit. DeAndre Ayton, he only played 17 minutes in game seven. And it just looks like there's a lot of turmoil surrounding him. He's upset that he didn't get a contract extension yet. So we're kind of wondering, what do the Suns exactly do with DeAndre Ayton at this point? And it seems like this is the player that's like the most vulnerable this upcoming offseason. What do you guys think happens? What they should do or what they will do? <laughs> maybe, maybe a little both. Okay. As bad as that game seven was, when you come off two years of success like they've had, considering especially what just happened, what was it, five, six, seven years before that, where they were winning 20 games a year? Mm-hmm. Aiden is 24, I think, despite the fact that maybe he looks a tad bit older. No offense. Um, yeah. You re-signed him. And if you don't want to keep him, he's a tradable asset. Like, later on. But sure. I don't think after the success you've had over the last two years, you instantly disassemble this team. And if you, even if you were going to do that, Chris Paul is obviously near the end of the line. If you trade Aiden now, unless you get anywhere near equal value, within two years, you're back to Booker and role players. And we saw where that went in the past. And Booker is a better player now, but... I don't think they want to go back there again. So, to me, you re-sign him 100%. Will they? I have a feeling they trade him. And and I hope they don't trade him for, you know, three quarters for a dollar kind of thing. But it's very hard to get equal value. JJ, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. They should re-sign him just because he's a valuable asset for trade. But I don't think Phoenix will do that. Because as we discussed before, Phoenix has had a history of not going over the luxury tax. And players get what they want. That's the current NBA. It's a player-driven league. And if Aiden doesn't want to stay there and he's expressed discomfort, um, he's not content, you know, I don't think that they keep him. They might just think we need to change it up. Dude, can I throw a hypothetical out to you then? Yes. If he does get traded, give me one or two teams you think he ends up with. (laughs) Like, throw a hypothetical out there. Well, my my buddies at the Busted Bucket would love for me to say Portland. And I actually do think that would be a relatively nice fit. I don't know how they come up with the the cap space for that exactly that's the one i'm eyeing up though dame lillard also likes this idea because he's also liked a tweet that said deandre ayton should team up with dame to go get a championship i I like the pairing there um as far as another team man i don't i don't know like what exciting team with cap space there is sammy do you have one 
Well, I don't know if it would be a cap space move, but I have one or two in mind. The main one that we know is going big game hunting in the offseason is Atlanta. Ooh, Atlanta, if he becomes available, could do something that would make a lot of sense for Phoenix in keeping that competitive involving Capella and or John Collins. We know Collins has not been happy there for a while now. So I think you could see something there. If I had to throw out another hypothetical, Indiana seems to be just looking for young talent. And Miles Turner plus other assets will keep Phoenix competitive. So on paper, those are the two that I would throw out as potential spots. Indiana would also have potentially lottery picks to trade. Yeah, there were reports that actually had uh, Indiana looking for Aiden before the trade deadline. Oh, that's right. I, I yeah, heard the same thing. So that, that's a great call, Sammy. The obvious because of cap space that people have been name dropping would be the Spurs, which I would think is a good fit, but not under the radar or, you know, not not being discussed much. But I I do think it would be interesting is if the Bulls were to have mm. a sign and trade with Aiden. For Vooch? Yeah, exactly. So interesting. interesting. There's some uh, cap gymnastics that they'll have to pull. Mm-hmm. But you also have Levine. That is he the he's a unrestricted, right, fellas? This UFA. Year? So yeah. I know John wants us to say that the Lakers <laughs> Levine might go to the Lakers, but <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers I, can uh, have everyone. Boy. Come on. Well, it's, it's true. If somehow Davis was put on the table for Aiden, who says no? Add whatever you want to either side. How about that one? LeBron. <laughs> LeBron says no. Probably. I don't know. Actually, that's a pretty good trade. Gets the Lakers younger. Keeps Phoenix right? competitive. Yeah. The Lakers would just need another guy who could create a shot. Well, then Phoenix is going to have to ship off Chris Paul somewhere because you can't have both of those guys injured at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, let's get to the draft lottery here. It just recently recently dropped, and I want you guys to think about who might be the the loser of the draft lottery. For the first round, it's going to go Orlando, OKC, Houston, Sacramento, Detroit, Indiana. And here's my loser. The Portland Trailblazers at seven. Hey, that was my loser. <laughs> but go RJ, ahead, I'm not going to pile on. Go ahead. RJ, you can bring yeah, up that video of Dame Lillard, man, because he feels like he's a loser, too, because he was just kind of smiling, shaking his head. And this is why I feel like this is the loser. It's because they tanked their whole season to help Dame, right? That was the whole theme. Get Dame help. Right? And you're hoping for like a top three, top four pick so that you could have some trade assets. Right? But at seven, I don't think that's a trade asset. I don't know what you're going to get for that. What do you guys think? Jay, since you were also in a group about Portland, I'll let you go ahead. I mean, you know, not to put our personal experience here, but the Warriors made it to the plan two years ago and they had the seventh <laughs> pick 
the oh, Blazer, yeah, that's right. The Blazer fans couldn't even experience at least postseason bliss of competing. They have to watch James sideline and yeah. it's for a seventh pick. And even is, this, like, this is ahead. a great point, Jay. This, yeah. even like this last season, okay, Kuminga went seven. And I would be lying if I didn't say that the Warriors weren't trying to shop that pick to get help, right? Mm-hmm. Dame for Clay to get back, etc. I don't know if they necessarily wanted to go with an 18-year-old, 19-year-old player to help out. It just so happened that Kaminga ended up being awesome, right? Yep. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like the Blazers are the losers here. I'll throw in one other one, and it's not as I agree that Portland is probably the primary one. Uh, Detroit got knocked out of the top four and potentially higher by Sacramento coming up, and obviously they won it last year. But I could have imagined a nice pairing of a good seven footer like Holmgren with Kate yeah. mm-hmm. would have been a nice setup. But they dropped all the way to five, so they'll still get a talented player. But what could have been? Yeah, kind of quickly. Who's who's the winner here? Orlando has to be Orlando. Orlando. All these also... years of picking fourth every year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I also think Houston is sneaky. The yeah. fact that they had Jalen Green last year. Now they get to pair it with another person at the third pick. I don't think that's so bad. But anyway, that is actually all we have for tonight's episode. I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Sammy, thanks for being on. He's on fire! Thank you as always, and we appreciate all of you for listening as always. Thanks. And of course, shout out to John, and shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The the Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter, at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.